for being here at the harbor. I'm Mike Sains, the lead pastor here, and we're delighted to see you here in service with us today. Amen. We're going to start a brand new series, but before we do that, uh, I want to take just a moment to have special prayer <clears throat> for Eric and Whitney uh, Groover. was in a very, very bad accident yesterday. Um, Eric is beat up and banged up, and he's going he's gonna to recover. He's got some broke ribs and uh, cuts and whatever, but Whitney's in very, very critical condition. And so I'm just going to ask you, um, just where you are, would you just bow with me in prayer right now um, for Whitney, and let's just believe God to do a miracle. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Lord, right now for Eric and Whitney. Lord, you see the devastation. Lord, you see what has happened. <clears throat> and God, you are able to reverse any effects. God, touch her brain right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just reach out by faith in you, oh God. And Lord, by your spirit, may you reach right there to that hospital, the trauma center. I pray, God, that you would minister right now. And God, that there would be great improvement, Lord, in these days to come. I just claim that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We agree together as touching this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you for your prayers for them. Those of you who are on our care ministries page that, that reach out and help, you understand. And so uh, uh, certainly be praying uh, for, uh, for Eric and Whitney. Thankfully, their two children were not in the vehicle with them at that time. I want to talk with you about the book of James, and we're going to kick off this today, the letter of James, and obviously we'll start with the first chapter. And so I just want to read this passage that I want to cover. It's not all of the first chapter, but it's a lot of it. And uh, then we'll, we'll go back from there, and I want to lay some background or some, some foundational work for uh, the Apostle James' work. I want to start in verse number 2 when he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, as I read this, I want you to think about you and I in the mirror when we're facing trials, I don't know if you're just, you know, clapping your hands and overjoyed that God's testing me and he's, you know, working something in my life. And my, my response hadn't always been that way. <clears throat> but anyway, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives to all without finding fault. Woo. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded person and un unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Did y'all hear that? Believers in humble circumstances, you ought to take pride in your high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant and it blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. <clears throat> Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because they have stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted, and they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from our Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kinds of first fruits of all that he created. Now, I know that's a lot to sort of put into one little box here, but I'm going to try to do that, and I don't know that I'll get to it. But uh, nonetheless, I want to talk with you about when your faith is tested. When your faith is tested now we, we see a girl here on a diving board and that's a could be a scary thing i remember when i was in uh, about sixth grade i went to double church's community swimming pool you know where double churches is right johnny and i climbed up that thing and if memory serves me right it was about 15 or 18 feet and man i was scared out of my mind but the line coming up the ladder i, I couldn't turn around and tell everybody to back off so I had to jump out there, and it scared me to death. Are you with me? But what I want you to understand is, is the testing of your faith is not an event. It is a process. It's not like you work up the courage one time to just jump off this building or off of this diving board or whatever. It is a lifelong process where we come to understand that, matter of fact, the old-timers believed that you suffered through trials, and that ensured you that you were where you needed to be with God because he was testing you. They believed if you didn't have trials, you weren't living right. Amen? And I, I believe that, too, because the devil don't work on people he's already got, really. Huh? You're already in his wagon. He, why does he need to mess with you? But... Let me just give you a little background about the book of James. First of all, it was traditionally uh, attributed to, um, to James, the brother of our Lord. And so uh, there's a little question about that, but suffice it to say it's not worth arguing. His letter is about, what's this, his servant-lord relationship. In other words, the relationship he has between himself as a servant and the Lord as his master. His whole letter in chapter, you know, the five chapters of James, well, that's what it's about. Now, let me whet your appetite real quick. On the last of this series, we're going to have an old-fashioned prayer line right around this building here. Are y'all with me? Where James said, if any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, lay their hands on them and anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and if they've committed any sin, it'll be forgiven them. So I want you to prepare yourself for that awesome day and get all your sick folk and everybody here, and we're going to see God heal some people. Are you with me? Say amen. So along the way, here's what you got to understand. A true servant of God is going to have to put your servanthood into practice in the midst of your suffering. I'm telling you, there will be times as a servant of the Lord that you yourself are hurting and need to be ministered to, but yet you are called upon to wipe away the tears that you've got in your eyes and go embrace somebody else. 
And I'm telling you that God somehow does something spectacular when we set our own feelings aside and go minister to somebody else. But in your life, you're going to face that, and we have to choose that kind of lifestyle rather than chasing everything else. His purpose for this letter is, you know, he, he does identify himself, but here's what he says. He don't do like Peter or Paul, and I'm not like knocking either of these brothers. They're great men of God. They spoke of their apostleship, and they spoke of who they were and all that, and that's, that's great. James was already known by the church at large. People knew him very well, uh, and I'm not saying they didn't know. That, perhaps Paul, not so as far as the churchman, but Peter, certainly they would have. But James just identifies himself as the servant of the Lord. <clears throat> Now, I want you to understand who he's writing to because it's important for you and I to take the Bible in the correct context. Some people have really got it messed up, man. They, they saw where it said, you know, Peter went and, or rather Judas went and hung himself. They read something else that says, go do ye likewise. And, and they put them together and they, you know, go off themselves. Don't take the word out of context. You got to understand who he was writing to and, and the time frame in which he was writing and what is the social custom of that day. So let me try to help you. He's writing to the 12 tribes of Israel. He's writing to the diaspora, if you will, those who have been dispersed and scattered abroad. In fact, in chapter 1, uh, verse 1, he talks about who he is, the servant of the Lord, to the scattered tribes and the scattered people. Understand that persecution had come down on the church and everybody was being driven out. You see, they tried to squash out the ministry. And the people were leaving by the hundreds, if you will, and they were dispersed by the thousands. Let me show you. Scattered among the nations. And so um, he, he speaks about these, and he says, basically what James is writing is saying, I know that you of the diaspora, I know those of you who are scattered, I know that you are persecuted, I know you're facing various and, and sundry trials, and I know that you are suffering, and what James is saying is, I'm writing to you with this knowledge in my head of where you are. You've heard people that was talking that didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Don't look at nobody, just look at me. You've seen them. Uh, but James is saying, I'm not speaking into the air. I'm not just talking about something that I don't know anything about. I understand where you are, and I understand what you're going through. I want you to imagine this, if you, if you would, with me. Young Jewish uh, uh, Christians, the, you know, upbringing or they, they, they were brought up, they, they came up in this great persecution of, of the Christian movement. Uh, Stephen, the great martyr, the first councilman of the church, had been stoned to death. Are you with me? Saul was uh, determined to destroy the church and, and was, was going, before he became Paul, and was going from house to house and forcibly taking Christians out, persecuting them, killing them. All of the Christians basically had been pushed out of town with the exception of some of the apostles being driven from Jerusalem. James now writes from there to the believers and the scattered among them, and he's telling them, I know the injustice. I know the loneliness. I know your confusion and your fear and your poverty, your sickness. I know that you've lost your homes and your family members and your livelihood. And I know these kinds of trials. Now, I'll tell you, these kind of make our trials look puny. When we start thinking about we hadn't been driven out of our house 
You know, we, we've not had our brothers and sisters' heads cut off while we watched. There's a, I mean, you, I'm not trying to belittle your trial because we sometimes have some severe trials, but James is writing to a people that knows what hurt is. They know what loneliness is. They know what it's seeming like, you know, like abandoned by your own country. And so uh, in, in most of our lives, there's probably a mixture of things that we would react. We would say something like, well, what's going to happen to me? And how, how, how could they do this to me? Why don't somebody feel sorry for me? Maybe it's envy. Uh, why aren't they suffering like I'm suffering? Uh, you know, why is this happening? And with these kinds of reactions, we fall into precisely the problems that James, the servant of the Lord, is trying to address to his original readers. A jealous focus sometimes on material wealth. Why did this person, you know, afford a new car? Why did this one get to move to Osprey Cove? Why did this one do this? And, you know, all of that. Sometimes we get caught up in this foolish stuff that's going to perish anyway. Amen? So he speaks to us, and I, I just want to take it one by one if, if I can. I need to move quick to try to get to this. The testing of our faith. First of all, he said, consider it pure joy. Pure joy. Next time you're going through some hard trial, you open a piece of mail, and then you're supposed to be in the courthouse, uh, you know, at no later than such and such time. I want you to just take a hallelujah break and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I am going through a trial. I don't know how I'm going to get a lawyer. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to praise God in the midst of it. Now, that sounds stupid, and that sounds ridiculous, and the world don't understand it, but I'm going to tell you this. If you will have that kind of attitude that says, I'm going to praise him in all things. I'm going, when I live this life, I'm going to live it for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. It will change the way you see this life. The testing of your faith is going to produce perseverance. Watch this. It, it, it is without a doubt testing is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, it's coming. Please understand that everyone who has ever taken a class anywhere, ever taken a class anywhere, you knew to start with a test was coming. They told you on day one that the midterm is going to be on this day. The final is going to be on this day. You knew it was coming, and whether you prepared for it or not is a different story. But you knew it was coming. And so you got to understand that, that that's going to happen, the end of chapter test and all of this stuff. Now, now, how many of us have ever been overjoyed when we saw it coming? I, I was never just throwing a party the night before test date. Huh? No, I was usually burning in because, you know, I played football or baseball or whatever, you know, with the boys until late, and I'm trying to cram, you know, two weeks of uh, learning into these two hours that I'm going to dedicate to trying to get it right. If I could at least get the 7-0, I was, <laughs> you see. But James is trying to show us a more excellent way. You see, uh, trials in the Jewish tradition, trials in someone's life was the proof of their faithfulness. The joy with which a believer endures trials in the present is a sign of our hope for the future. You see, so there's a reason to be happy in the midst of trials. And here's this. We know that the trying of our faith is working something in us. That perseverance, it's making us become greater in the work of the Lord. Perseverance has a job to do. And perseverance's job is to make you complete and mature. Don't look around at any immature and incomplete people right now. 
You see, when we pray for patience, patience, you know, uh, Lord have mercy, trials and tribulations. Uh, you know, so, so then there's this quest for wisdom that he addressed. And, and in verse number five, he said, if you, anybody lacks wisdom, now there's some folks in this world lacking wisdom. I'm telling you, if you just watch TV a little bit, or just Facebook just a little bit, there ain't no wisdom exercised hardly at all anymore. Amen. I'm thinking to myself, what were they thinking? Huh? If you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you. He said, but you got to believe and not doubt. Because if you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. You're a double-minded man or a woman. Don't even expect that you'll get anything from God. In other words, you have to leap out there like this girl jumping off this diving board with a reckless abandon and say, here it is, God. It's everything or nothing. I know. So now let me talk about, he, he, verse 9, he deals kind of with a current situation. We've all got them. He says, but believers in humble circumstances, you ought to take pride in your high position. You say, well, I don't know how I can take pride and I just lost my house. You know, if you're, I, I, you might have done some stupid things to bring that about. I know I've done plenty of stupid things in my life. I've done some knuckle-headed things. Y'all with me? So, so I'm not knocking that. Here's the thing. Don't be a knucklehead all your life. Right? If you've done some stupid things, just look in the mirror and say, you've done some stupid things. But that stupid stops right now. I'm going to go, you know, it might have been last night. But last night is over. Right? And you can start brand new today. It is the first day of the week. And you can say, Lord, I need wisdom to help me not to do the knuckleheaded things that I've done that got me in this situation that I'm in. And God will help you with that. So, so you're going to have to persevere. You know, I remember I got myself so deep in debt one time, man, I was, ooh, child. I was, you know, like the water level was right here, and I could feel water going up my nose. I was about to drown in it, huh? And I wanted God to just bring me out like that. I wanted God to just send a heavenly angel down here with about a million bucks. No, it wasn't that much, but, uh, you know, just send some money down here. And just, you know, and it's almost like he said, listen, here, you didn't get in there overnight, and I ain't getting you out overnight. I'm going to teach you something along the way. Woo, and he did. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And I'm telling you, God says, if you need some wisdom, ask me. Your current situation, he said, take, take pride in that humble, low situation. So if you're down there, hold your head up and say, you know what? It might have been foolishness that got me here, but I'm going to climb out of this place. Right. Amen? Huh? That's right. So, so blessed is the one that perseveres under trial. And then he says in verse, uh, verse number 13, here's something else I want to address. And I know this is kind of, I'm just hitting the points that James hit. So it's kind of his outline there. But he said, when temptation comes... First of all, you got to understand that God tempts nobody. He cannot be tempted with evil, and he don't tempt you. So do not say, well, why has the Lord allowed me to see this chick today half naked? Or three-quarters naked, whatever it is. How did this man come walking by and blew me a kiss? Oh, child. Maybe a rose showed up on my desk, and it wasn't from my husband. God didn't send that rose. Huh? And God didn't send that lady to come by. He said, God is not tempted by evil. Maybe let's just take it a different way. Maybe it's all the money you saw right there, and it wasn't yours. 
And you're looking around and saying, whoo, man, I can sure pay something off with this. Leave it alone. It don't belong to you. Are you hearing me? And God is watching. He said, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. And when that desire has got inside you, it brings forth some things. And in the end, it brings forth death. Are you with me? Let, let, let me show you how we're, we're drawn away. And I need to hurry with this. But uh, how many fishermen we got in the house? Let me see. You ever caught a fish? Raise your hand. Ever caught a fish? All right. Guess what? If you're going to catch a fish, you've got to throw something out there that fish like. You know? I'll give you an example. Me and Adam went fishing the other day. It was a good time. About two and a half hours. We caught about 17 fish. It was fun. But you know what? We didn't have one piece of live bait. Not one. Didn't even have the right hooks. But we had a salamander-looking thing. And I hooked that bad boy right through his mouth and back around. The hook sticking up there, plain to see. I didn't spray it with no smell good. It smelled like a salamander or a lizard or whatever. But I just flipped that thing right over by the bushes and started reeling. It didn't take me just a little while. And I heard it, that drag going out, baby. You know, and then all, I just ran back on it real good. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And you know what happens? That hook goes deep inside, and there's a barb on that hook that won't allow it to back out easily. Are you with me? So what I did was I threw something out there that enticed that bass that was laying under a log. And when he got enticed, he said, Whoo, man, that's your look good. It comes swimming by here, swim by here again. I'm going to get it. And so here he is laying under the log or where he's at. And here comes that salamander coming on by there again. And he goes out there. He looks, he looks, he strikes and gulps him right down. Huh? And all of a sudden, he starts to, mm, 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 and he can't spit him out. Sometimes you'll grab onto something you can't let go of. Something looks so good, and you grabbed hold, and now you're trying to spit it out, and you can't. Hello? And, and so now he realizes somebody else is pulling him where he does not want to go. Amen? You remember what the Lord told the apostle Peter? He said, right now you gird yourself and you go where you want to, but there'll come a day when others will gird you and lead you where you don't want to go. So we're pulling this fish now, and he's coming to the boat where we're at. Are you with me? Say amen. And then we reach down and get him. And thank God me and Adam was gracious and did the catch and release. But Satan ain't going to do it. If you fail the test here and he gets you in the boat, he ain't throwing you back. His name ain't Mike or Adam. So when temptation comes, you understand that you are drawn away and you are enticed by your own lust. And when lust is finished, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Any other body in that fish would have been cooked. And so, uh, but God did not tempt you when you went for that whatever it was you went for. So, um, I, I want to show you something else here. Verse number 16 says, Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters, for every good and perfect gift is coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So every good and perfect gift comes down from God. A and anything less than perfect didn't come from him. Are you with me? Say amen. So please know that. And, and I want to take you right on down to the last of this chapter 
And uh, he says, every good and perfect gift comes from him. He chose to give us birth through the word of the Lord. And James is, uh, man, he's telling us that God chose us. And every good thing comes from him. And every bad thing did not. And if you're tested, and you're, you're going to be tested, and testing is from the Lord. Tempted is not from the Lord. Are you with me? Say amen. So uh, when he says you're going to be tested, and you are, it's going to be tough, and it is. It's going to be hardships sometimes, and they're going to come. Bad days are going to be there. Are you with me? Say amen. But you don't have to give in just because bad days come. There's going to be some tough times, but God is going to see you through it. You know why? He promised. I'll go with you always, even to the end. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you, but I'm going to be right there with you. Let me close it with this. Uh, he says, you don't have to give in to the temptation. You don't have to give up because of testing. When you guys, and we're all tested, we all have hard days, we all have hard times. And let me just say this, sometimes the greatest temptation comes at the greatest level of testing. You know why? We feel justified then. We feel like we've, we, we, we've been hurt, we've been maligned, we feel like God is a million miles away, that he don't even see us anymore. Do you know what the, um, the people of old said? They were in the temple. They were in the temple. I'm talking about the 70 elders, Jeazaniah, and the 70 elders that looked at, they were the high priest, and they were in the temple of God going through severe trial. And you know what they said? God does not see us anymore. And so they painted crocodiles on the walls of God's temple, snakes and lizards, and worshiped those being the gods of Egypt. They said, God don't see us no more. So they went outside and worshiped the sun and the moon and the stars, the Babylonian gods. Out in front of the, 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 the building there, right in front of the temple, they built an Asherah pole to Astarte. They said, God don't see us no more. And God brought Ezekiel, the great prophet, a thousand miles one day from the river Kibar where he'd been exiled. And he grew up thinking everything was great and holy in the church and everything was right. And God said, I want to bring you home so that I can show you that they don't think I see them anymore. They've, they've failed the test. They've been tempted, and they fell prey to it. He took Ezekiel right through the temple, the Asherah pole to Astarte. He saw that worship um, broke his heart, Canaanite worship. He come in and saw the snakes and the lizards and all this painted, desecrating the walls, Egyptian worship. He was blown away. He saw them bowing with their backsides to the Holy of Holies while they knelt and worshiped other gods. He saw 24 women 
weeping for Tammuz, uh, fertility God in their mind that, uh, again, not Jehovah. You know what they were doing? They were suffering through severe tests and trials. And in the middle of those tests and trials, they gave up and said, God, don't see us no more. Let me give you another side of that, of a man who thought God did not see him, but he maintained his integrity anyway. Job, having lost 10 children, hundreds of livestock, thousands of livestock, all of his wealth, and now he's stricken with boils from his head to his feet sitting in sackcloth and ashes and takes pottery and scrapes his sores. He's itching so bad. He stinks with corruption. It's, it's horrid. He looks in the mirror. His wife don't even recognize him. His friends come and they, they, they see him afar off and stay there for like seven days. And it's just crazy. And Job says, I looked for him. I looked on my left and I couldn't find him. I looked to my right and I couldn't find him. And before me, I looked for God. I cried to God. I called to God. He said, but I couldn't find him anywhere. Oh, that my words were in a pen that I could write them in lead forever. He said, I wanted to talk to God, but I couldn't find God. He said, but God knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. You say, well, pastor, he lost 10 kids. That's right. He lost all these animals, and that's right. If you read the book to the end, Job was restored two times everything he lost we serve a God that is able when you are tested don't don't flip out consider it pure joy now I know that's tough and man I got nine fingers pointing back at me when I'm pointing at you consider it pure joy when we go through tests and all kind of fiery vigorous trials and that's I, I know it's tough but I promise you I'm gonna try to do this with you that when hardship comes and when testing comes, I want to get on my knees and say, Lord, I consider it a joy that I am counted worthy to be tested for you. You know what the apostles did? They lined them up and they said, we're going to beat you for preaching. We've told you not to. You're going to be whipped publicly and the Bible says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be beaten for the Lord they rejoiced before God that they could have stripes laid on them for him I'm gonna tell you all listen to me this life is temporary there's gonna come a day where you're gonna rejoice and thank God when you was able to say you know what I had a deeper hope. I had, I, had, I had an eternal hope that one day this will be over. If you don't believe it, go home and look in the mirror. I know yesterday I looked around and Kelly said, did you know it was 34 years ago tonight that we walked across the stage of the Columbus Municipal Auditorium and graduated high school? Where has time gone? 
So I don't know. I don't know if there's 34 more in me or not, but I know this. If I'll be true to God, on that side, I'll look back and say, praise the living Lord. I was faithful to the end. Would you stand with me right now? I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're just going through a severe test, can I just see your hand? Severe test. Others here are going through severe temptation. If you want to signify that, you can. You don't have to. It's up to you. But I want to pray for you. If you're being tempted, don't think God's doing that. If you're being tested, you know what God's trying to do? He's trying to mature you. He's trying to bring about a, a, a mature Christian. So let perseverance have a work. Father, in your name, I pray first, Lord, for those that are tempted right now. They're tempted to quit. They're tempted to give up on God. They're tempted to quit church. They're tempted to quit giving. They're, they're, they're tempted to quit serving. To quit being a faithful husband or wife, mother or dad. They're tempted to quit school. They're, they're tempted to, to quit their job, throw away their career. They're tempted to do all kinds of crazy things. Some of them maybe even tempted to do ridiculously crazy things like taking their life or someone else's. I pray for those tempted right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they would put their trust and their confidence in Almighty God. Right now, Lord, and that they would endure that temptation. They would not succumb to it in Jesus' name. And for those being tested right now, Lord, in your name, in your name undergird them with strength, O oh God. Give them courage, O oh God, and help them, Lord, to know that this test shall pass, that, that God's going to go with me, and I'm going to count it a joy. And if I need wisdom, I'm going to ask for wisdom. But I'm not going to blame the situation on God. I'm going to hold on in the midst of it. And when he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold. In Jesus' name, would you lift your hands as praise team sings something for us? Just worship the